today, the content could be a little more mature for audiences. So please, ask someone before listening to this video. It's mature and may be uncomfortable for some viewers. Viewer discussion is advised. Be cautious. This is more for adults. Or for those who get permission. Who invented the wheelchair and why? Okay, who invented the wheelchair? History of the wheelchair, the development or the time of the wheelchair. The reason I'm bringing this up is because the other day I was in my wheelchair and I was like so mad to be in my wheelchair, but yet so grateful that I didn't have to be like picked up or carried around or just sat in my bed all day because I couldn't get out of bed because I couldn't move. A wheelchair gives you mobility. You can go out and do things. And I'm like, I get it. People like the wheelchair because it gives you mobility. You also hate it because you realize you don't have it without the wheelchair. I was like, who created it? Why did they create it? And why do we still have hate and have to love it at the same time? History of the wheelchair and the development over time of the chairs. In China, during the 2nd century BC, there are record wheelchairs being used to transport both disabled people and products and bodies. 525 AD, they invented the first wheelchair ever made to specifically transport disabled people. It was not until uh, 1595 that an unknown designer made the first wheelchair in Europe for King Philip II of Spain. His wheelchair had smaller wheels attached to each leg and an adjustable back and a platform for the king's legs. A servant would have pushed his chair. The person who carried the first wheelchair that could be self Kupfer was 22 years old. Uh, German Wasserman. was 22 years old, Stefan in 1655, Stefan Leffler, wow, I can't pronounce these names, this chair functioned like a modern handbag. In 1783, John Dawson invented the invalid chair, or bath chair which has two legs, large wheels, and one small one. However, although it outsold all other wheelchairs for over 40 years, its weight meant it had to be pushed or pulled by a horse or donkey. By the 1800s, wheelchairs had become lighter and were looking more like ones we know today. of the modern wheelchair was designed by two medical engineer Harry G. Gagin Sr. and Herbert 
as Berwick in 1933 as Earth had broken his back in a mining accident and was half disabled. They came up with the first folding and portable wheelchair which was made of light steel. The X-Brace design is still used today and may become the first mass produced of wheelchairs ever. Christopher John Olson, an American inventor, designed and made the universal wheelchair. He created the first wheelchair which was uh, able to climb steps capable of passing over all kinds of terrain and with an adjustable center of gravity he took part in the international science and engineering fair in 2002 where he won $10,000 prize which allowed him to refine and develop his revolutionary wheelchair he co-founded um, Mirmer Mobility Inc., who will begin producing of his pattern design wheelchair soon. Ultimate Wheelchair Fitness Multiple Function Trainer, Portable Weight. Let's see over here. We've come a long way. History of the wheelchair, the evolution. Many of us can't help but think of the wheelchair once spinal cord injury is mentioned. The two are so closely tied that they almost seem like one. Granted, the relationship between weight and wheelchair can be a love-hate one. Yes, I have uh, chronic regional pain syndrome. So there are days where I can't walk and I hate the wheelchair and there's days where I can walk but I have to use a cane. And then there's days where I can walk around my house without the cane but outside not even a little. Cheers when the wheelchair is running right and cheers when it bumps out. <laughs> the wheelchair is some form of form or other. Goes back a long way and has obviously changed considerably over time. Years ago, the magic was not in finding the right wheelchair, but in surviving a spinal cord injury at all. Thankfully, that has changed over time. And wheelchair users are not just spinal cord injury users. Anyone can use a wheelchair. A person can still walk, but have to use a wheelchair for long distance. A person can still have to use a wheelchair even if they mobility, but then they can't like stand up for a long period of time. Yes, a person with spinal cord injury has used a wheelchair, typically, yes. But there are other types of people, like for me, I don't need it all the time, but I do need it some of the time. So it gets kind of frustrating, and it's a love-hate relationship for me. Confusion was depicted being pushed in 1680. Finally, here it is, the wheelchair that is considered to be the first used portably wheelchair designed and built by Stephen Fairfield in 1665, was a uh, engineer and watchman at the age of 10 who built the first ever wheelchair. No doubt that it, that this wooden wonder was heavy, difficult to push. Indeed, it was a major step forward in the evolution group. 
episode that is seventy AGD three. John Delson is back in to design a real Turkish large roll wheels and a small front wheel. Wheelchair production in the US came of age during the International Revolution of the mid nineteenth century. Bicycle and carriage makers jumped on the wagon. So there are some photos here of wheelchair users. Patents and manufacture of bicycling stands. First, handicapped people on rolling chairs and hospital assistance. Special medication needs to order when a call. Send for our catalog. I'm a tricyclist. Okay. A new self acting individual carrier for individuals with special ears parodies or some other element which prevents them from walking a handy little carriage most comfortable in uh, disability wheelchairs says invalid invalid chair is what it's saying but I don't like that word I don't mind saying disability I know some people say different ability which could be unsafe or made by the this kind of quick person to have cost no more than the ordinary 50 tries of position tricycle story really I'm not saying that building order in every size and style our self Forwarding chair. That one's a little closer to what we have now. I hate how they think. Just enough. The mid to late 20th century was a time of dramatic change in the wheelchair industry. Entering the folding chair, lightweight wheelchair, power wheelchair, sports wheelchair, phone chair, seating system, and a standing wheelchair. Oh, the standing wheelchair. I hate it. In 1983, Ken designed it. In 1952, Canada possible inventor, engineer, and designer George Klein headed a project funded by the Canadian Veterans Affairs and a number of veteran organizations to develop the first electric wheelchair. That's the one I want, is an electric wheelchair. Those are supposed to be very good for, um, like, they're good for people who can't use their hands. And sometimes my hands get tired. So let's see, this one looks more like a big wheel, small thing. Well, this one's like a super fancy wheelchair with giant wheels. It looks like less because it looks like a lawnmower. So that's pretty neat. This one's a higher functioning wheelchair. You can stand it up, set it down. You can reach more. This one has to be a sports wheelchair. It has like a swivel in the front and the wheels are bent at a certain length. This one is like a scooter wheelchair. Some people have um, like a four wheel wheelchair. So I thought that was some interesting facts. Let's uh, off 
could be something that we could go with definitely next. We're going to do some piggyback developmental education. Now I'm not saying people who are in mental institutions are piggyback. I'm talking about what they did there. Dr. Sensation said that in the spring, non-mental health patients. Yep, that was a thing. They the vast majority of patients in mental health institutions are there at their own request. Sadly, during the first half of the 20th century, the op opposite was true. The laws of the era allowed people to be involuntarily committed by their loved ones with little to no evidence of medical necessary required. Even worse, mental health issues weren't actually necessary to treat an involuntary commitment. The history books are full of women who were committed to asylums for defining a husband, particularly a different religion, and other natural issues. Children were not separate from the horrors of the individual commitment. Families were able to take confinement for children who were disabled unnaturally and rudely that families didn't want to deal with raising. Children could also be committed because of issues like a mastectomy, which is documented in an amazing 1893, giving that only 27% of the asylum patients at the turn of the 20th century were in asylums for a year or less. Many of these individuals committed patients were spending larger portions of their lives in mental hospitals, even though they didn't need to be there. U.S. states built massive asylums. Starting in the latter half of the 18th century, progressive collations and social reforms encouraged the building of massive asylums for the sick and mentally ill, who were previously either treated at home or left to fend for themselves. Oregon was the first state to construct a vast taxpayer-funded asylum. Countless others started following, though, and by the state start of the 20th century, nearly every state had at least one public asylum, the first Oregon asylum. Oregon asylum could house as many as 2,400 patients. It largely expended by constructing additional buildings. The Constitution Health Wisdom of the Era directed that PCM were necessary elements for the success of treatment of mental illness. So people with mental illness to this day can live decent lives if they get the help, training, and stuff they need. If you help them, they will try their best to succeed their expectations, do what they need to do, and generally they try to work, be a part of society, and if they can't, they try their best to stay as, like, help out at the house, help out by themselves. Uh, this compact led to the construction of gardens and maintenance grounds around the state asylum. The asylum themselves were also often lavish modern buildings with beautiful architects. All the better to uh, 
such souls to escape my how resist attention to beauty of the building and grounds wiped through in screaming fire fest a siren chorusing a favorite pastime of the turn of the 20th century was visiting the state farm sign and seen walking the grounds and along the beach to appreciate the natural beauty Yes, a little weird. There was no privacy. In addition to being exposed to the public outdoors through a siren and tourism, patrons could also find no privacy inside their signs. Patrons were routinely stripped and kept busy with no consideration given to their presence. Patrons were all, at all times, mute, more as a personal identification feature in need of aid. Patients also were kept in small sleeping rooms at night that often slept as many as 10 people. Mealtimes were also taken in a large dining area. Baths were often seen as a form of treatment and would be conducted by staff in a scenario with multiple patients being seated at once. Given the 1900s was decades before the century of the healthcare privacy laws, patients could also find no privacy and few were told about their condition in private. Women's husbands would be told of their condition and treatment regardless of their relationship with their spouse. An asylum patient could not expect any secrecy on their status. The fact that they were an inmate, that they had been diagnosed and so on. With the previous social stigma towards mental illness in the era, this lack of privacy was doubtless very harmful to those who found themselves in need. See, that's why I almost didn't want to talk about my diagnosis, but at the same time, I want people to understand. There's high-functioning, there's like mild, then there's severe, and then there's other types of people with dis intellectual disabilities. And you can live a normal life if you have the help and maybe even some money could help with getting them, get them a job, get them schooling, help them out, like teach them, get them classes, different things that could help them. It's definitely um, has helped people I've heard of and known and seen stories on. Patients have special status. So I will continue more about the asylum maybe next week. We will see. Bye for now.